Welcome back to The Benefit is Love. I'm Scott Tharler, an author, freelance writer, podcaster, and certified up-level coach. And I'm Kenya K. Stevens, a relationship expert, love coach, best-selling author, wife, and proud mother of three. My husband of 27 years, Carl, and I co-founded the Progressive Love Academy way back in 2005. Since then, we've co-authored two popular books and taught thousands of clients how to express themselves openly and authentically, where the purpose is growth and the benefit is love. If you'd like to stop blaming others and shaming yourself for your decisions, you're in the right place. So Kenya, in our last episode, you mentioned that you like to make this stuff Dr. Seuss simple. And I remember when I first heard these tenets, I was a little thrown off by all the rhyming and alliteration. And I don't know, I guess it sounded a little like marketing speak. But on the other hand, it also made it easier to digest, which I suppose is halfway to understanding what it all actually means. Yeah, up-level communication is super easy to digest once you get the hang of it. It's five easy principles that give us a foundation in our relationships. They're easy, but crucial. So as up-level coaches, this is typically the first thing we talk about when we begin the coaching relationship. We say the language of war, ego, animal, higher self, and then we just go right into these five principles. Yes. And the reason ego, animal, higher self comes first before the principles is because you're not going to understand the principles if you don't understand your higher self. These are principles and tenets of the higher self. Right. So it it does help if you listen to these in order, these episodes. But the great thing about the podcast is that we can really delve into it and really get into the nitty gritty of each principle in detail so that you can gain a deeper understanding of them. So this week, we're going to cover no shame, no blame. Let's jump past the rhyming factor and just dive in. So what's going on here? What do you mean by no shame, no blame? Well, this is the base bottom line. Me and my husband, we've been married for 27 years. And in the first 10 years, we used to shame and blame each other for most everything that happened. And so we really realized that actually, this is no one's fault. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. Nothing is anyone's fault. Prior to that, there was a constant argument because our communication was around shaming the other person for their actions, thoughts, desires, whatever, and then blaming them if things go wrong. Well, you didn't pay the bills. That's why our lights are cut off. Or You're not nice enough to me. That's why this relationship sucks. The shame and blame is the first thing that we have to remove from any relationship if we're going to have a floor that works. So what's really going on here? It seems like this is one of those things that we talked about last week with Lauren, where there are layers. Like on the outside, it might be I'm doing this, but what's going on beneath it? So let's jump into an example of some typical thing that that might be like a shaming. Absolutely. I feel like we're taught to shame people and we're taught to shame ourselves from day one. We're taught to come down hard on ourselves for making quote unquote mistakes. In the up-level system, there's no such thing as a mistake. In life, actually, there's no such thing as a mistake. There are learning opportunities But was it really a mistake? In terms of blame, blaming others and blaming yourself, shaming others and shaming yourself, I feel are not conducive to having good communication. 
And it's not to say that when you're venting or when you're letting your animal, your ego speak, that they're not going to shame and blame others. But beneath all of that, we have to realize that the higher self, that part of us that is connected to all things and all beings, that part of ourselves that is all knowing, it's not going to shame anybody. It's not going to blame anybody. It's going to say, this is a perfect experience set up specifically to teach me a very valuable lesson. And so whose fault is it? No one's fault. This is an opportunity to grow. It's interesting because when you say shame, I actually think it sounds like you're shaming another person and you're putting a barrier between you and the other person. I know this feeling like you're in an argument and you never quite get to the actual thing because it starts with shaming and then it devolves very quickly into talking about the shaming and shaming about the shaming. I, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience can identify with that. Like you never actually get to the real crux of the matter. Never. Shaming is a guilting of sorts. Men feel a lot of guilt in their marriage as if everything is their fault. And that's the worst kind of anti-love. That's the kind of anti-love that really makes it hard to find intimacy with that person. Because if you've shamed them, then they really cannot get out of your box in order to be intimate with you. If you blame them, then they're going to feel a sense of trepidation around you because they're going to be fearing the next mistake and the next, and that you're going to call it out and tell them they're not enough and tell them they're not worthy of love because of these things. And you may not be saying it with those words, but when you shame someone or blame someone for anything that happens, that's what they're going to take away from it. Yeah. I think the other part is shaming as a verb. And then the other one is the feeling shame is the, like, this is where I lived for a long time. <laughs> I don't live there now, but I lived in this place where I was afraid to disappoint my wife. And so I was just like almost always on the verge of shame. Being always on the verge of shame means that I was living in fear, a fear of disappointing her, fear of not living up to whatever. But ultimately, I don't think I deserve love because I've made these mistakes. Therefore, I'm going to shame myself. I guess one of the tricky parts is we're not saying that nobody's accountable. It's the opposite. Everybody's accountable for their actions. Just don't feel bad about it. I, I remember my, my dad specifically and my grandfather would always say, oh, I'm just worried about this. I'm worried your plane's not going to get in on time, or I'm worried that you're driving at night. And that was so part of their vocabulary that I always thought of them as like, wow, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be always worried. Or in my case, like always feeling this shame, but it takes a while to snap out of it because it's so ingrained in us. Yes. Well, that's why I invented the up-level system is to get us out of those patterns of thought that are not serving us and do not serve our relationships. In fact, they end our relationships. Shaming and blaming has ended more relationships. We think it's money. We think it's sex. We think it's irreconcilable differences, but it's the deep groove of shame and blame that another person might feel in your presence or you might feel in their presence that really move you away from the possibility of intimacy. So no shame, no blame being the first ground floor building block of a new culture in your relationship is critically important. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with this other thing that we've alluded to before, the right-wrong game, which is in every situation, there's a right and a wrong. 
Right. And I grew up thinking this. I could, it seems silly to say now, but I can remember being a little kid and thinking, well, if I just do enough right things and never do wrong things, I'll be good. That'll be that. I'll be happy. And I sort of equated happiness with right. And to this day, I do get happiness from being right. I'm not going to lie. If somebody says, you know, I really like that idea. I'm like, okay, cool. And I can just feel the dopamine kicking in. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But playing the right, wrong game and making every conversation about right, wrong. And, you know, again, you're out in traffic, you're having a discussion with somebody. There are very many places to apply it. But if you play that game, it's always a losing game. Like right. even when you're right, you lose. Right. And it's so challenging to carry on a relationship wherein you're really believing that you're wrong or that somebody else is wrong. That level of self-degradation is like, come on, how do you practice self-love? Shame and blame, we have to root it out. And it's not as though the ego and the animal will never feel it. But when it comes to the higher self, you have to know it's not true so that you can love yourself whether you think you did right or you think you did quote unquote wrong. You can love yourself in both of those instances if you have the right sort of language perspective and framework set up within your mind. And again, honestly, when I first heard it, I knew it intellectually, but it didn't really sink in. I didn't really feel it until we got into venting. And that's next season in the podcast. So we can't quite get into that now. But if you're just sort of thinking like, oh, that makes sense. That's fine. It's a good place. It'll sink in more later. Another way to talk about it is to think about how is this sort of integrated in society? What do we do in society that is blaming and shaming? That's just become commonplace. Well, I think that women are under a lot of shaming in society, you know, body shaming, slut shaming, shaming for wanting pleasure, shaming for wanting a career. So there's a lot of that. And then men are shamed for cheating or lying or not being authentic, shamed if they are not funny enough, not rich enough, not smart enough. There's so much shame going on with our kids. We tell them they're on the games too much. They don't do well enough in school. Shaming is never ending in our culture. Or in entitlement is another big one. Well, tell me how entitlement has to do with shame. I would love to hear how you're connecting that. Well, the entitlement has to do with shame because you think about the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter, and I'm not a woman, I'm not Black. And there's a level of entitlement. Yes, I am a white male. And yes, there are times I'm more and less proud of that. Right. But I think there are a lot of times where we feel shame by association. Absolutely. I guess that's what I'm saying. We feel shame because you see like white person goes and does this stupid thing. And I'm like, oh God, again, really? Yes. Why? Yes. Black people feel that too. Oh gosh, look, they talk about this shooting in the news and we feel shame because of association. And, you know, the real desire here with Uplevel and with our new cultural system is that no one for any reason needs to feel shame about anything. And some people say, well, how will they take accountability? As you said, if they don't feel no shame, if they don't feel bad about themselves, how will they change? We have those answers, but shame is not a tool for helping people become more conscientious. I'm very sorry, but no. But we must be doing it for a reason. You said like there are reasons for this. So I guess it seems like a defense mechanism maybe for avoiding certain emotions, but what do we get out of shaming and blaming? Because we wouldn't keep doing it if we didn't get something out of it. Absolutely. Our, our culture is hierarchical. So the more I can shame others, 
pushes me up to the top. And that's what a caste system or a hierarchy is all about. The more I can find to shame another group, whether it's true or untrue, then that's pushing my status up. And that's really the monopoly game that this old culture that we're leaving behind, that is dying, that is no longer going to be relevant when we create these new cultures. That's what they've been about. Gotcha. I would say probably my worst offense in this category, and just to get real and personal for a minute, is as a parent. And I can sum it up in one simple phrase. What were you thinking? Mm -hmm. I mean, not only did you just mess up, but I can't even comprehend why you chose to mess up. Most likely, I've just told you how and why not to mess up. So it's a good thing that we don't believe in shame. Because if we did, I'd be feeling shame for sharing this in public. <laughs> but th these are things I've actually said to my kids. I've actually said, what were you thinking? What was running through your head? Why would you do that? And that just seems damaging. And believe me, I have stopped saying that. But it's a tough one. Because what's running through my head is, how could this happen? But what's behind it is I'm judging myself as a parent, as a person thinking I'm not lovable. I'm not a suitable parent or mate or partner if I'm allowing this to happen and this happens on my watch. And so there's all this stuff going on. But what comes out is something where the kid just stops like a deer in headlights and says, oh, uh, I'm just a kid. Like, what do they say to that? But that's why I call this a language of war. It's almost embedded in our psychology of how to respond to a fear you're having about yourself and about your adequacy by lashing out at others, even if it's your children. That is embedded. That has happened on repeat millions and millions of times in our families. And that's what we want to rule out. This language, you talked about shame. Why is shame so deeply embedded? Is because compassion and empathy are not deeply embedded in our psychology here. So that's what we're changing with this system, with up level. And if you want to see shame and blame out in the wild, right now is a great time to do it. Go to any store. <laughs> People are holiday shopping. There will be kids. There will be embarrassed parents. And that's what happens. They're out there. It's like, hey, get out of there. How can you do that? And they're yelling at their kids. And all I'm thinking is like, well, that's disgusting. How can they do that? I haven't done that for three stores. You know, like I'm completely judging them. And I think it all comes from judgment, essentially. Yes. So if you deem yourself worthy of judging others, then of course you can shame them and blame them. And yet, uh, unfortunately, we've done all of this before, but it's so fun to judge others. One of my favorite all-time quotes is from George Carlin, who says, anybody who drives faster than you is an asshole, and anybody who drives slower than you is a shithead. So you essentially get to judge and shame anybody else who doesn't drive exactly like you. And therein lies the problem. And when you talk about blame, ooh, that's a whole nother can of worms. It took me about 20 years to filter out the concept that somebody is to blame. You know, being a Black woman in this country, I could say everybody's to blame for my plight. The government, the white man, the schools, da, 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 everything is to blame. But when I think about the progressive love tenants and we made no shame, no blame, number one, is because when I got outside of blame, I was able to reclaim my power and create my life. Prior, if it's somebody else's fault, I have to wait on them to change. If I'm blaming them, I have to wait on them. What if they don't want to change? 
What if they want to remain how they are? Then am I powerless? No. So that helped me unravel the blame game in my mind because it really did keep me away from what I wanted. I thought it was making me stronger to know who is my enemy. But then I realized I have no enemies. No shame, no blame. That is number one. Yeah. I was at a seminar and we were making a life poster and we're saying like, this is what lights me up. This is what makes me happy. And I realized like five or six out of the nine things that I said makes me happy were external. They were out of my control. These are things that other people, well, I like when people validate me. I like when people acknowledge me, when people respect me. These are all things that like, I can't wait for that. That's a losing game, but it's easy to do it to other people. I think one of the classical ones I want to make sure we touch on as soon as you start digging into your past, and a lot of this work is going to do this, you will get triggered, you will go deep into the roots and feel stuff in your body, like it's those kinds of emotions. What's the first thing you think of? Blaming our parents, yes. because it's almost inevitable. Our parents certainly had an impact on our lives. So why not give them proper credit, right? Even if it's negative. I think our parents did the best that they could, but I only think that because I've been practicing up level for so long, but yes, it's so easy to blame your parents because they were solely responsible for making you who you are today in terms of your thoughts, your opportunities, your financials, your emotionals. So yes, I think looking at those things and understanding where you've come from and what you've learned from them is important. But blaming them is not going to give you anything in return. It's almost a way of not doing the work of unraveling what you've learned with your parents. Blaming them says, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. It's their fault. Moving on next. <laughs> yeah. I can picture just sitting like with a Game Boy on the couch. Yep, they did it. It's their fault. Right. But, but that doesn't work. I know when I brought this up to my mom, her perennial response is, I did the best I could. I was like, well, your best kind of sucked, <laughs> yes. but I do as a parent. Now I get it more. She had kids a lot younger. She was 24 when she had me. I was like almost 40 when I had my first one. So right. there's a big difference there in maturity level, presumably, and life experience. Right. But don't get me wrong. You're going to want to vent your ego and your animal wants to vent about your parents. That's fine. When you get into the higher self understanding, you can look at your ego and animal and say, yes, I hear you. And you can soothe and empathize with your ego and animal. But your highest principle within knows that your parents and everybody on the entire planet is always doing their best at all times. Yeah. The difference is that with the up-level system, when you vent, you actually feel heard. My problem with my mom saying that she did her best was yep. that I didn't feel heard. I'd say like, hey, mom, I have this problem. Well, I did the best I could. Okay, I still have the problem. Nobody yeah. wants to hear that when they're venting. Oh, well, we did our best. No, you're absolutely right, Scott. You got to feel heard before you can move to these higher principles. Yeah, because like, especially if you're in something, I don't know, your car is broken. Who do you want to hear that from? We did our best. Your mechanic, a surgeon, customer service, like never do you no. want to hear, well, I did my best. I left a few sponges in there and we didn't really fix the problem while we were doing the surgery, but like I did my best. So that's good, right? <laughs> Unacceptable to the ego, to the animal. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the part that you hit on, that's probably one of the points that bears repeating is this is about not just looking outside yourself, but there's also kind of 
an interesting balance because you don't want to go too far inward. It's like walking a tightrope almost where you want to be just with yourself. You just want to be present and in integrity with yourself is essentially what it boils down to for me. Well, I think that's why English is, I don't want to call it primitive because if I do, that's just my ego speaking, but it's so primitive in that it doesn't even a lot for the dance between the animal, the ego and the higher self. I can, in my animal, be mad as hell, for instance, at my parents and in my ego be blaming them and saying they didn't do the right thing. They didn't even send me to college, but also in my higher self, I can be totally at peace. And that piece can be educating and informing my ego. I can be having a conversation between my higher self and my ego about that. That's called processing. Processing hopefully moves you into the higher self. So you can live in the realm of no shame and no blame. And we will get there, but that's actually after venting. So that's a little advanced. This tenet, one of the things about this tenet that really strikes me and why it's such an interesting one to lead with is that it has these emotional roots that go really deep. And so we're starting with this one. It's kind of like a hurdle. Like if you can get past this one, the other ones might not be super simple, but they're that much easier to accept. It's like the hurdles get a little bit lower. Yeah, and there's only five tenets. Come on, this is gonna be the one that is your hurdle. And if you can jump over this, you are halfway there because I see this as one of the biggest communication problems of our time, blaming others, right, wronging, shaming, and blaming. All right, Kenya. So to illustrate some of the dynamics of how no shame, no blame can play out, we're going to listen to a conversation you recently had with a client couple and then come back to discuss it. So this will be good because you actually have them read the textbook definition of what no shame, no blame is. So our audience gets to hear that. So let's hear what they have to say. Okay. This is going to be urgent that we agree on this today, or we have to work on this because if we don't have a foundation then we don't have a relationship. If you guys can't agree on fundamental principles, then you don't have a relationship. So let's talk about these before we go even into your charge. No shame and no blame. Can you read the first paragraph of that one, Nikitha? This tenet implies that there is never fault to be associated with the experiences we face in our lives. We must realize that all experiences are perfection in that they are here to grow us. When we take 100% responsibility for the creation of all our experiences, we have realized the no shame, no blame tenet and can then be the powerful creators we are here to become. What does that mean to you, Nikita? I guess just understanding that whatever each of us are experiencing is our experience individually and not trying to pass blame on somebody else or changing what is actually happening for me on the inside because of shame altering what's happening because of these things. Yeah. You told me about your parents and your people growing up. Mm -hmm. You told me about the woman in your family. Do you think that they believed in this tenant that nobody's doing anything to me? It's nobody's fault that I'm feeling the way I feel. Do you think they believe that? No. (laughs) As a result, if they don't believe that, then what do we see? They can't create their life. Have they created a life that you want to live? 
No, not entirely. I mean, they've done the best that they could do, providing what they, their circumstances and what they were taught. But a lot of it, I don't subscribe to. Mm, do you want to go further than them in life? Definitely. Definitely. You know, I try to have conversations like that with my mom and my family when I went home to Trinidad, actually, earlier this year. And oh my God, it was an explosion. <laughs> she basically made it into an attack. And I had to be like, I'm not attacking you. I'm like literally just bringing some things up that up to this day, I'm 29 year, years old, is still in my mind. <laughs> okay. So this is the literal difference between an old mindset and the new mindset where you and I are going to go, where there's no shame and no blame. Which part of you believes that there's no shame and no blame is it your ego your animal or your higher self your higher self yes that you have to teach the ego that there's no shame no blame because the ego don't believe that the animal don't believe these tenets mm -hmm. these are the tenets of your higher self does that make sense now yes so now you can believe no shame no blame right because who believes it my higher self yes Wow, I really love her accent. It's so cool. Anyway, I like how you talk about the kind of generational aspect of this tenant. Can you expand what you meant about that and why you think it's a factor here? Absolutely. It's because we've been spinning into new age since the 60s. And when I say the old world, literally there's a whole world built around shaming and blaming others, judging and guilting others and making everybody feel badly about who they are. And we started to emerge from that as a society in this day and time in the 60s. And so if you have parents who were born before that, it's going to be really hard for them to convince their ego that there's no shame and no blame. <laughs> and I was trying to get her to understand that these people did not build a life that she wants. And the reason is because they were using that old thought paradigm. In the new thought paradigm where up level lives, where no shame, no blame is, you have the power to create your life. So one thing she said is she's going to take 100% responsibility. That's what no shame, no blame means. I take 100% responsibility for the reality I'm creating around me. And so that's just what I was trying to get her to see. Well, it's also interesting because... It brought up for me, I was thinking of like courtroom dramas and because basically it's like, well, we weren't sure who did it. You did it. And now let's see how you pay for it. It's not just these things with our kids and our parents. It surrounds us in society. Right. There's a meme that goes around social media sometimes where in indigenous cultures, African cultures, there was really no law or court set up to punish people. There was circle created around people who did something that was unscrupulous or something the community doesn't agree with. And it was a love circle. That person needs more love. Go give them more love. They're doing things that are outside of love. And so it's just a different paradigm. Can you imagine your child doing something like skipping school and you surround them with love and ask them what they need and what type of support they're needing and give them compassion and hear what their perspective is? Yeah, I think one phrase that's helped me is what's going on for you right now. Instead of saying, I'm completely judging you and thinking you just did something 
idiotic. What's going on for you? What are you feeling? What's going on in your body? Because I want to check in with you. And instead of pushing something, I want to pull you in more and like say like, what do you need here? And I think it's my own little personal circle. Yeah, that's great. But let's think of the school shooters. Where is the committee of people who want to find out what's going on with everyone? How is everyone feeling? What's on your mind? Is there anything you need to share? Do you need any form of support prior to these types of events happening? And I'll tell you where they are. They're nowhere. They're not in the schools in terms of the counselors. Remember school counselors? You don't see a counselor unless you've already been acting up or something happened that, you know, you've been beaten by your parents. But everyone needs these check-ins. Less shame and blame after the actions happen. More check-ins and compassion and empathy prior. Well, I think one positive thing is that mental health is becoming more commonly acknowledged. Yes. That you could say like a mental health day, but it's really more like people are coming out and saying, listen, I have these issues. And there was somebody who was a colleague of mine who very famously went berserk in a target and didn't shoot anybody, but she was shaming other people, like the employees and saying, I'm not going to wear a mask and all this stuff. And it went viral. And it really threw her whole career for a loop for a year. And it's in this world that we live in where things go viral, both literally and figuratively, then it's kind of a scary thing. And so everything gets magnified. I often think my kids have it so much easier and so much harder than I did. Like they get both. The technology is cool and the toys are cool, but Boy, I wouldn't want cyberbullying or all this other stuff. It's ridiculous. Right. But they're growing up with it. And they're growing up with forms of shaming that we didn't even have. Yeah. But hopefully they don't start shaming those who come out and say they have mental health concerns or shaming them because they've been diagnosed as something. We have really got to get underneath the underbelly of our systems and really add that empathy and compassion so that we can teach no shame and no blame. Definitely. Also, I want to go back to something. There's some regional cultural aspects. Of course, we're all animals and humans with a similar base of emotions. But for instance, like I grew up in the Boston area where people still seem to have this persecution complex. I don't know if they got over that little skirmish we had with the British about a quarter millennium ago, but everybody is always, ah, is it hot enough for you? Is it cold enough for you? Ah, that'll do it to you every time. Have you noticed anything like that in terms of working with clients who are spread out, let's say in the Midwest or the South or the West Coast and how people shame and blame? Absolutely. There's colloquialisms that I found when I moved down South that I didn't find in the North. And then when I go to California, there's a really open mindset. And when I'm in New York and the East Coast, there's feels like there's a more closed mindset, more traditional or staunch. So those things are impediments too, but they become really great opportunities for me to learn about different regions and how best to speak about no shame and no blame and progressive love tenants to those various mindsets. Yes, they are very pronouncedly different. Yeah. The other thing that struck me with this clip is I like how you tied it back to ego, animal, higher self. It seems like these tenets and principles are a lot about training the ego. 
and how would you say it? Living more in the higher self? Like where does the animal come in exactly in all this stuff? Absolutely. I mean, I just love the concept of training the ego because we all want to train and have a flat six pack tummy. We all want to train and have a nice glutes and abs and pecs. But we talk about the ego and how we're disgruntled that the ego is, you know, out of control, but we're not really learning how to teach our ego. And this is one way to do that. Take a set of principles that we can all agree on and start teaching the ego to think and process emotion in that way. And what we're processing is the animal's feelings. The animal comes in because the animal is what informs the ego. You don't have an ego perception until the animal has an emotion. Once the emotion happens, then the perception comes about. And so the higher self can come in and start to color those perceptions, color the way that we perceive our emotions. And that is the three-step process that Uplevel takes us through. But no shame, no blame is the first step into that world. And another thing that came up for me when you were saying that is that it seems like we're very good at blaming others. But unfortunately, I think the converse of that is also true, which is that we're not good at loving ourselves. And so it's a weird dichotomy. It's easy to see what's wrong with other people. And it's not easy to love ourselves. I guess an easier way to say it is that we apply the same thing back to ourselves. And that's where the real damage happens. Yeah. Which is why when we think about no shame and no blame, it seems like we're saying don't blame or shame others. And we are. But when you practice that, when you allow the higher self to inform the ego and now your thought process before you slap somebody in the face or before you blurt out some cuss words at them, if you're thinking, wow, this is nobody's fault, I'm not going to shame or blame them, then you're also going to apply that new information and new perspective to yourself and your internal voice is going to become less critical. The more that you can not shame or blame others, that's the work that you're doing not to shame or blame yourself and vice versa. There's a key thing that the audience will see as we go further with this, that it's nobody's fault. And I'm a Led Zeppelin fan. So there's a song called Nobody's Fault But Mine. We don't add the but mine. We just say it's nobody's fault because we're not looking to blame the other person. We're not looking to shame ourselves. And it really isn't about fault. That's no. not what this is about. Can you think of any other insights that you'd like to share surrounding no shame, no blame? Absolutely. I just remember having a huge, terrible, critical inner voice. And it was pernicious. It was huge. It was a monster with claws and a fangs and fire from its breath. It was a nasty dragon, ugly. And it would keep me paralyzed after every conversation that it could be a normal conversation that you have with somebody and you should have said this. That was my biggest thing. I could have said that. I could have said this. I should have said this. And I would have won that argument or I would have looked better in their eyes. And after a conversation that would keep me awake at night for weeks, not days, weeks, I would be shaming myself because I didn't say the right thing. I should have done this. I should have said that. I should. And it was so debilitating and stressful. And my cortisol will be up. You know, when you're not sleeping, your body is deteriorating fast, baby. 
And so if you can't sleep because of your own inner critic, I feel like sometimes we start to do that to others in order to get some of that energy out of our body because we're so intensely focused on giving that to ourselves, that negative critical voice. So no shame, no blame becomes like going to the gym and getting some abs on your brain, (laughs) getting some abs on your thought process and stop shaming and blaming yourself. We're doing nothing wrong. And one of our base bottom line is you are perfection. Perfection means constantly growing. So what could be wrong? Everything you experience will grow you. Honestly, if you get one thing, hopefully you've gotten like six things, but if you only got one thing from this podcast, kill should have. It's not easy because we do it a lot, but it's a practical step. Anytime you catch yourself saying, I should have, they should have, that's a red flag that says, guess what? There's about to be shaming and blaming. Do you really want to take it there? I now think of that. When I hear myself thinking it or saying it, like, well, they should have, oh, uh, okay, no, we're okay. It's not always clean and neat, but it's a first step. It takes time. I'm about 90% there. I have 10 more percent to go because I will think, well, I should have. And I really do catch myself and I say, nope, this is perfection. This is going to grow me and I get to see who I am becoming and become that instead of always regressing. And I I literally, as soon as we hit stop on the recording, I'm going to say, oh, I should have said that thing about something. (laughs) I should have made more notes. I should have made less notes. It should have sounded this way. It should have sounded that way. And then I can sit back and laugh at myself and go, (laughs) higher self will edit this. Higher self knows it's going to be good. People will get what they need to get. We're just putting it out there. That's it. Well, it's a shame we don't have more time. And honestly, I I blame you, Kenya, for that. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I I do like to go out on a light note. But speaking of which, our listeners should be sure to tune in next week when our episode will cover the next tenet, no victims, no villains. Probably the most contentious PLA tenet on the list, right? Yes. That's going to make for a good discussion. So tune in for that one. That's the scary one. So we'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, remember, the purpose is growth. The benefit is love. Kenya K. Stevens is the co-author of the books Uplevel Communication and The Nine Expressions of Love, both of which you can find in print and online. Scott Tharler's articles and other podcast appearances are listed in his Linktree page, which you'll find linked to in the show notes. Speaking of which, The Benefit of Love is available for your listening pleasure on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, and other platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow the show and share it with anyone who you'd like to see have better, more peaceful and fulfilling relationships. Benefit is Love is co-executive produced by Scott Tharler and Kenya Stevens, with original music by DJ D. Spence. Thank you to Sanu Stevens for all her help and expertise, and thanks to Uplevel coach Colin Safranek for his feedback and suggestions. This podcast, copyrighted 2022, is the intellectual property of Progressive Love Academy. All rights reserved.